Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. What are you drinking? Immunity Aid. Yeah, I got Immunity Aid this morning. What does that have in it? It's got echinacea, zinc, vitamins A, C, and D3, turmeric, magnesium, astragalus mm. root, valerian root, ginger, chamomile. It's good stuff. Oh, nice. Have you had it? I've had the like focus one and just like the normal one. I've never had the... I was going to get that one yesterday, actually. I had it in my hand at Whole Foods, but I got a tea instead. But it looks good. Dude, I think it actually works pretty well. Whenever I'm starting to get sick yeah. or if I notice I'm kind of on the downward trend, I'll chug a couple of those along with my kombucha and I actually feel pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty jacked with uh, with different vitamins. I don't think it has like a ton in it, but it just like it doesn't have, like the MIGs are pretty low like on zinc and stuff. I think compared to what we'd get like in the pill, but it has like so many different things in it. Right. The other day I was traveling and like I was starting to feel run down. I've just had a lot of travel lately. And, you know, you go to the airport and there's so many germs. Oh, yeah. And so I was at a conference and the last day or two of the conference, I was starting to get like a runny nose. You know, you just feel tired right. and run down. I just felt like I was in for was it at least a week. Were you at like a time zone change at all or was it, were you in the same time zone? It was just an hour, but okay. I went up to the Midwest, which it's about the same temperature right now. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just, uh, I've had a lot of back and forth lately. So I was convinced like, okay, here we go. I, I tried to fight it. I'm going to get sick. And so on my way home, I got a like immunity IV drip. Oh, nice. And it had zinc, vitamin C. What else did it have in it? Magnesium maybe. Okay. And uh, gl glutathione, mm -hmm. which is a, you know, a huge immunity booster. So I got that, it went away. Really? Wow. Like, I feel, I feel like I'm back to 100%. Like the next day you felt better? Yeah. Dang. That's awesome. So I don't know if it, if, it, if I just happened to get over it, yeah. but I think that really helped. Did you notice like an impact on your sleep when you took that at all? No. Yeah, no, it was about the same. Hmm. That's good to know. But so I'm just, I have a few, yeah. So I think, I mean, it's expensive, so. Yeah. But I knew I had like to record this weekend and I didn't want to be sick for that. So I mean, if it, if it, I just bit, bit the ball prevents you from getting sick for like five days or seven, it's, I think it's worth it. Right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into the topic of discussion today, which is gratitude. Yeah. I was, I was really excited about this one. You know, I've heard some other like health gurus uh, or just like, mindset people talk about gratitude but i've never really like, done it consistently myself so this is what i was really excited about yeah you don't think and of it as like a as a health topic necessarily no no it's definitely in more of the category of mindset mm -hmm. but kind of through our research what we'll get into is i did find some pretty heavy correlations between gratitude and not only like mental well-being but like physical well-being as well so First, getting into how, how we're going to define gratitude, the dictionary, I mean, defines it as like quality of being thankful or feeling of appreciation, which I think is what most people think of when they think of gratitude. There's another definition that I found 
that I really like, and I think it sums up gratitude really well. There's this guy, Dr. Robert Emmons, and he's a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis. Um, I think he's an editor-in-chief at the Journal of Positive Psychology. He's a huge expert on gratitude. He's done a bunch of studies on gratitude. He's written several books on gratitude. And so he defined it as the affirmation of goodness. So the first part is really just recognizing that there's something of value or something good in your life. That's kind of the first part. And then the second part is the acknowledging or understanding the source of that goodness, recognizing that it's not necessarily something that we've done. It's not something that has been deserved or earned, but it's the source is outside of ourselves and it was freely given to you. So that's how he narrows down gratitude and how it's used in a lot of the studies that he did. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, uh, just being, recognizing something that's good, I think is uh, a term that most people would associate with gratitude. Something that kind of goes along with gratitude, and it's actually almost the opposite. It's something that I find easier to do myself than than being thankful for what I have. Um, It's the concept or term called negative visualization. So it's the opposite, and um, it's... Uh, kind of like imagining your life without something in it. So imagine your life without a job or imagine life without, or like imagine if you were to lose your job or imagine if you were to lose your family, or maybe you don't have easy access to food and water. And then kind of thinking through that and thinking of what life would be like in turn makes you very, very grateful for that thing. So something that you often take for granted, like family, like food and water and easy access to that, if you imagine life without it, it makes you just so much more grateful for the fact that you do have it. So that's something that I have found is, I don't know why, it's easier for me to do that than to be thankful for what I have, imagining life without it. So it's kind of another approach to to gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, I think it gets to the same thing. The end result is you showing gratefulness or thankfulness for something that you have. Yes. So that's, that's a, I've, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's been around for, I mean, centuries, but it's uh, a kind of a stoic philosophy. Um, that's yeah. where I, I heard of it. Um, that's where I read about it. So, um, okay. I like to take that approach, but I guess in gratitude, there are different mental and which is, I think meant the mental impact is kind of what most people would associate with gratitude, but there's also physical benefits to it, which is, um, not as, I guess you wouldn't associate gratitude with physical benefits, but right. what did you find in both, I guess, mental and physical benefits in your research? Yeah. Yeah. So like the psychological or the mental benefits or what everybody thinks of, like you said, and the biggest benefits there are reducing stress, which in turn is a physical benefit, which we'll get to that because it reduces your blood pressure, heart disease, things like that. Uh, but, you know, their study done in 14 showed that people that took time to reflect on things that they're grateful for were more optimistic, more joyful, they were happy, uh, helped reduce signs of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, basically reduced feelings of negative emotions. People were more hopeful. There was a 
2008 study that was done by a psychologist named Alex Wood from the uh, Journal of Research and Personality. And that study basically showed that gratitude can reduce the frequency and duration of episodes of depression. Now, I'm not saying that it should be a replacement for medication. Obviously, that should be taken very seriously. But this is something that can help, you know, even if you don't have depression, just uh, can help with anxiety and stress. Yeah, so we talked about um, on our episode about digital minimalism, we talked about kind of the association with um, social media and its effects on anxiety and depression. And I think one reason for that is we on social media, we only see the highlights of people. We see the best of people. And then when we're looking at our phones each day, scrolling through what other people have, we see their perfect life and we want it. I think um, gratitude plays a big role in that because we're not we're not grateful for what we have. We see what other people have. And then it in turn makes us anxious because we don't have the job that they have or it makes us depressed because we don't have the luxurious lifestyle that they appear to have. So I think, um, yeah, gratitude for sure plays a role in anxiety and depression. Right. Yeah. I think there is a high correlation between that and social media. And I'll mention that in the, uh, in the experiment that we did on ourselves, but like starting your day Instead of immediately looking at social media, immediately thinking about what are you grateful for can just change yes. the whole projector, the yeah, trajectory of your day. One other yeah, thing that sure. I found, which is really interesting, is that they did a study with uh, Vietnam War veterans who were suffering from PTSD. And they grouped them into those that had PTSD and those that didn't have PTSD. And they looked at dispositional gratitude as well, which is just like your natural personality has a huge factor in these studies because some people are just generally more optimistic. But basically in both those with and without PTSD, daily gratitude practices were associated with a higher sense of well-being. So positive emotions and positive perception of themselves and their circumstances. Again, not to replace any kind of formal treatment, but uh, that's been shown to help even people with severe uh, issues like that. So that's kind of just the simple psychological aspects of it but i also found some physical impacts one thing to note about this as you might expect it's similar to diet studies where a lot of it is self-reported and more based on surveys there hasn't been a ton of studies where they they like took a group of people you know held them in a in a place and monitored everything they did for weeks most of them are they'll send out a survey to people you know, people report back that they did, you know, whatever the study was asking them to do. And then they check in every, every so often and they'd report like their feelings. So, so something to note about that, but there is a study in 2012 where there's a, they found a correlation between gratitude and self-reported physical health. So those that reported higher sense of gratitude also reported a better sense of physical health, psychological health, health, um, propensity for healthy activities like exercise. And those people that expressed more gratitude were more willing to seek help from their health concerns. And they explained that is that people that reflect on things that they're thankful for tend to be more self-aware. So they're going, when they notice something wrong, they're going to be willing to ask people for help. Again, this is just 
you know, correlation does not equal causation. It could be that people are healthy because they're healthy. They're more grateful. Yeah. So I think it's, it's careful. You gotta be careful with that. But, uh, people also reported less stress, which just being less stressed is going to lower your cortisol levels. It's going to lower your blood pressure. You're going to have a healthier heart. So there's kind of a direct impact with that way. Yeah, I think stress, I feel like, is the, the the easiest one to realize with gratitude because when you think about the reasons you get stressed, it's typically you can relate it back to your stress because you don't have something. So maybe, um, I mean, and that can be anything that is physical things. That could be time, that could be relationships, or it could be um, actual physical things. But I feel like stress is always related to not having something that you need. Um, or and when you yeah, are or great- fear. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, or fear, I guess, or fear of losing what you have. Right. So being grateful for what you have at the moment and not looking forward to what you want or looking forward to what you might not have, I think that has a huge impact on on stress levels, just being grateful for what you have in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a guy I heard on a podcast. I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about when we're stressed and we're you know, dealing with anxiety, there are like some questions you can ask yourself to help you deal with that. Number one, do I have food and water to sustain me? At this moment, do I have access to food and water? If the answer is yes, okay, do I have a roof over my head? Do I have somewhere to sleep tonight? If the answer is yes, okay, do I have clothes? Finally, do I have people in my life who care about me? Those are really like your your basic needs. And most of the right. time, obviously there are people that are struggling, but 90% of the time the answer is going to be yes to those questions. And that can really reduce your stress, stress levels rather than focusing on what am I going to lose or what if this happens, what if this happens. Look at where you're at right now. Do you have food and water? Do you have shelter? Do you have clothing? Do you have people that love you? I think that's a, another way to look at gratitude. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Uh, there was another study where they took patients with stage B heart failure, which is like pre-heart failure. It's basically those that are at risk for a heart attack. And they did a survey before, you know, they did a survey like at the beginning, 186 men and women, and they gave them a gratitude survey. And in all these studies, there's there's actually a specific survey that they use. It's called GQ6. It's a six question heard of that. gratitude questionnaire. And it asks six questions that these patients have to fill out. Number one, and, and you, you rate them from agree to strongly agree. Number one, I have so much in my life to be thankful for. Two, if I had a list of everything that I felt for, felt grateful for would be a long list. Number three, when I look at the world, I don't see much to be grateful for. Number four, I'm grateful to a wide variety of people. Number five, as I get older, I find myself more able to appreciate the people, events, and situations that have been part of my life history. And then the last question is, long amounts of time can go by before I feel grateful for something or someone. So, in all of these studies, that's how they rate how grateful a person is. And so then they compared that to 
like inflammatory biomarkers and blood pressure. And again, correlation does not equal causation. So I'm just putting that out there, but there were lower levels of inflammatory biomarkers, you know, your typical one, CRP, TNF, alpha, IL-6, a couple other ones, but they looked at those and those biomarkers were lower for those that scored higher on the gratitude quiz. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think we know stress in general. I think we've seen in studies over the past, I mean, this has been studied more often in the past, you know, 2000s, late 2000s, early 2000s, just with the impact of, you know, stress and gratitude on our health. And like where stress plays a big role is um, it, we've seen lately, and this is maybe in the past even five, 10 years, is it has a huge impact on mitochondria. And it also has a huge impact on our sleep. So the day, uh, if we have a very stressful day, that night's sleep is going to reflect kind of the mental function you had throughout the day. So if it was a high stress day, your sleep is going to reflect on that and it's going to not be good deep sleep throughout the night. Yeah, no, I, I was, you mentioned sleep, like they've actually, they've done studies on that as well, where they mm-hmm. look at the relationship between gratitude and sleep quality. And one of the biggest factors of sleep quality as it relates to gratitude is what they call and i forgot it oh pre-sleep cognition like you were just saying if you're laying in bed thinking about everything you're stressed about that happened that day it's going to reduce your sleep quality so i think they had they took a group of participants and had them reflect i think they did this survey before they went to bed at night and those people reported higher quality of sleep. So it really does impact a lot of your life. I mean, especially sleep, depending on what you're dwelling on, like before you lay down at night. Mm-hmm. I think with that, with like trying to fall asleep, something I had always struggled with is thinking about the next day, especially during like stressful periods of work. Not necessarily thinking, even though you had a stressful day, you're looking like you're, you had a stressful day and then you're trying to sleep. But then you're stressed about the next day and the next day. And there's always this constant stress before of like a stress on the past or on the future. And it just, your mind gets no chance to just rest and like reflect on what, on what you have. Yeah. I think it's important to realize, and this is something that I've thought about over these past couple of weeks that we've been looking at this is most of the time when you're stressed, it either relates to something that Uh, something about the future or something about the past something that happened in the past like i'll play conversations in my head or i said something stupid you know Mm -hmm. and i'll play that back and that can cause me stress or anxiety and then or you're thinking ahead but really when you're going to bed at night there's nothing you can do about it most of the time right then it's time to go to sleep if you focus just focus on the present and put those things out you get a lot better sleep which as we know sleep is a huge factor in health yeah Yeah, so I think this plays a role into kind of the idea of control. So whether we can control an outcome or not, this is another huge, like this is what the Stoics are most famous for is the concept of um, being in control of certain situations and not being in control of it. If you are able to control it, then do what you can to correct it, to um, have the outcome be what you want it to be. But if you don't have control over it, don't spend any time thinking about it. Don't stress about it. Don't um, process it. Just keep it out of your mind because it's just wasting brain 
activity. It's, it's wasting energy thinking about things outside of our control. And stress is often due to things that is outside of our control. I mean, think of just right. like, oh, I think one of the most common reason people get stressed is just like your commute to work. I mean, that's something so simple that we all do every day. And most people are angry on their commute to work or their drive to the store, wherever it may be. And that's outside of our control. Once you get in the car and you're on the road, you have no control over what traffic's going to be. So why ever get upset in traffic? Like if you get stopped at a stoplight, if you get behind somebody slow, like you don't have control over that. So Mm -hmm. there's no reason to get upset about it. Uh, This is something that I read about um, from Stoic philosophy probably two years ago. And at the time, my commute was about 40 minutes both ways. So I used to get mad in the car like all the time. Right. Road rage. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're driving in the city, you get, you know, you do get idiots on the road. And it's frustrating when you get in traffic, whether that's... um, you know, an accident or people cutting you off, things like that. But then once reading, like after reading about this concept of control, once like I realized on the road, like I'm on the road now, I have no control of how quickly I get to work. So why get upset about it? And it really just changed my mindset for the day. Cause that's the first thing I did in the morning was travel for 40 minutes. And when you're upset for the first 40 minutes of the day, it sets you up for failure. Whereas you can use that time to, you know, listen to podcasts, to meditate, to be grateful rather than complaining about the current situation. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a perfect example. And I'm sure we've all experienced that. I've done it myself. You have a bad morning in traffic and you get into the office and maybe you're short with someone or you say something that is a little rude to a coworker and uh, you're just, you're a little on edge. And so I think that actually is a good segue into the sociological or the relationship impact of gratitude. And this one is probably pretty obvious to most people, but when you're more grateful, you are going to be generally more helpful, generous, and compassionate with people, uh, more forgiving. You're going to feel less lonely and less isolated. It goes going back to... Robert Emmons' definition is part of being grateful is realizing that you are not the source of that thing, that thing that you're being grateful for. So it can strengthen relationships that way. I think it really is a a humbling experience taking the time to be grateful because it requires us to reflect on what other people have done for us. When I've done my morning gratitude, a lot of things that I'm grateful for are things that, that I didn't do myself. So it forces us to look at the good things in our life that are not attributed to ourselves. And I think as humans, we like to take pride in our work. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I think in many cases, it can actually be a good thing. But taking the time to reflect on the positive things in my life that are a result of other people or circumstances that are not attributed to myself, I think like helps me like and enjoy and acknowledge the present and really have a greater appreciation for the people around me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think it's easy in, especially in like a career in your current position, it's easy to think of all the work you did to get there and how proud you are of the hard work you put in to get to where you are um, in your current position. 
But if you think back through it, it's like the steps you took to get there. I mean, just to more often than not get a, get a degree that alone is probably because you had, a, you grew up in a family that allowed you to get there. Maybe, maybe you did work hard to get it, but I think more often than not, you had, you were born in a family that allowed you to get a college education. And then maybe your first job, more often than not, jobs come because of somebody you know um, put in a good word for you or something along those lines. Generally, somewhere along the way, somebody helped you. Uh, yeah. And it's so easy to look at where you are and be like, I'm like, I, I made it. Like, I, I did this by myself. I worked hard. I put in the hours and it paid off. But more often than not, somebody somewhere down the road helped you, if not multiple people helped you. So I think it's a good good to reflect on who who helped you and be grateful for those things each day. Yeah, and I think that's going to improve the way that you interact with people. Yeah. When you're when you're reflecting on what other people have done for you, you're going to be more more generous to others, more compassionate. I mean, people that are grateful tend to be more empathetic and I think that's a huge part of it. That's pretty much a summary of the research I came across. I mean, there are a couple others, but um, I was actually surprised to find there's quite a few studies out there for anybody interested. If you just go to PubMed and you type in gratitude, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. or type in Robert Emmons. I mean, there's tons of studies on it. They're pretty interesting. Yeah. So I looked at, um, I guess kind of more contentment, um, which is, uh, hand goes hand in hand with gratitude, but being uh, content in your current situ- situation. So there's this concept, I don't know if you've heard of it, called the hedonic treadmill. It's been around, so that term was coined, I want to say, in the 1970s, but it's just a concept that's been around for, I mean, centuries. It's the idea that throughout life you have highs and lows, um, but in the end, there's always a set point that you kind of come back to. So you maybe you buy a car, you buy a home, and your happiness increases dramatically, or you get married, your happiness increases but over time, that that peak of happiness falls back down to a set point. Same thing with uh, tragedies. Say you have a death in the family or maybe you lose a job. At the time, it's a, it's a very, very low point. But you get used to it and then it comes back to status quo, back to a set point. So it's this concept of um, things we get and things we lose. Our happiness either increases or decreases over time, but it always comes back to a set point. And, um, the reason I think we have these drastic highs and lows over time is because we aren't grateful for the things we have. So think of when you get a new car, like you love your car, you're super excited. You got it. And your happiness is way up here, but then you start to get used to it. You, you adapt to it. And then you, like eventually become almost no longer grateful for it because you're used to it. And then you want a new car shortly after. So to avoid this hedonic treadmill, I think that's where gratitude comes in and being grateful for what you have prevents that high, like that constant high and low in emotions. And it allows you to always have uh, a higher level of happiness. Yeah, that's a really an interesting concept. And thinking back on my own life, I can 100% see that. Just like a simple simple example, like when we first got married, we were in this small, tiny apartment, one bedroom apartment. And 
yeah, I loved it when I first moved in. And then, you know, two, three years later, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> We're going to get that, out of yeah. here. And then, you know, now we like are in a, a two bedroom townhome, been here for a couple of years and I'm like, man, like it'd be nice to have three bedrooms. Yeah. You, know, you always you just, want you, more. Right. So yeah, the, the, there's been studies on this concept. There's old studies done back in the seventies and then newer studies have been conducted in the two thousands. So beforehand in the seventies, they thought that, um, basically your set point of happiness where you always come back to, they thought that could not change. They, they thought over time you can't increase your, uh, the status quo essentially of happiness. And they did a study on lottery winners and paraplegics. So people who experienced extreme, the fortunate events, and then people outside of their control and people who experienced extreme unfortunate events outside of their control. And they asked them their happiness level before the incident, their happiness level at the current state and their happiness level in the future or what they expect their happiness to be in the future. And I think they gave them a range of, I want to say one to five is what the, to rate their happiness. The lottery winners said that they are no more happy than they were before the winning. And they said they did not expect their happiness to change in the future. The paraplegics were asked the same questions and they said they're slightly less happy now than they were before. There was no, there wasn't a drastic decrease, but slightly less happy. But in the future, they expected to be happier. So you see these two, I mean, huge, I mean, completely different groups of people on the opposite sides of the spectrum. And you expect to see these answers of people being very happy, right. very upset. But looking at the data, it was very similar, which is That's um, fascinating. Yeah. Maybe um, people that play the lottery are just ungrateful people. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty interesting because it's like being a pair. This is like before, after they became a paraplegic. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think that would be life changing. And I think I've heard people say this. I mean, I probably said it at some point too. Like, I'd rather be dead. Yeah. But people like still rating themselves as happy and they expect their mm-hmm. happiness to increase. That's really yeah pretty cool. Yeah. I think studies like this goes to show that uh, it's not physical things in life that brings happiness it's it's relationships it's being grateful for what you have and it's just a positive outlook on life is is what causes true happiness um but the old studies the old findings on this concept were that these people always came back to their baseline and then that baseline did not change they re-looked at this in the 2000s and there's two names who are big psychologists researchers and professors on this I'm going to pronounce their last names terribly, but it was, I think, Ed Diner and Sanja. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name, but Sanja and Ed okay. are two big uh, researchers in this area who looked at it in the 2000s. And Ed Diner's findings, he did studies in 2006, showing that the set point for most people, first, I think it was like three quarters of people, it leans happy. So most people are... Uh, if you want to say optimistic, more more people than not lean optimistic as their set point. He also found that over time, people's set point did increase. So this is opposing to the studies before where it remained the same. 
But what's interesting and what goes along with what we have been saying is that he said that this is, I think this is a quote from him um, in one of his studies. He's saying subjects with the highest level of happiness and the fewest signs of depression were those with strong ties to families and friends and commitment to spending time with them. So mm. people whose um, happiness increased over time, it was correlated not to physical things, not to wealth, not to fortune, um, but to relationships, to family, to friends, and to uh, focusing on committing time with them. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I 100% agree. Like, I've noticed consciously several times where, you know, maybe I'll have a day or a week where I'm just stressed about what's going on, stressed about work, money. But if I, you know, I'm sitting down having a meal with friends or family, like those kind of dissolve very quickly. Mm -hmm. And you realize there's so much value in relationships. And the studies, yeah. I mean, prove that. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, big researcher in this area is Sanja. And she, she believes that 50% of our happiness is set by genetics. 10% is based upon circumstances. So winning the lottery, for example. 10, only 10% of happiness comes from that. And then 40% of happiness is things that we can control ourselves. So things like practicing gratitude um, will increase our happiness. Things like building relationships will increase happiness. Now, some people do, as you mentioned before, are just not as, you know, these bubbly, energetic people. And that that is a genetic trait. Some people are just less optimistic than others. Yes, yeah, they're in their personality. And a lot of the studies I read, they acknowledge that. Yeah, but she... She are, is arguing that 50% is genetic, um, but 40% is completely within our control. And just having that positive mindset is what can push us to increase our happiness over time. She also found, this is, I think, research she did in 1998. She said that happy, again, things we've been talking about, happy individuals perceive, interpret, interpret, and subsequently think about life and life circumstances in more positive, positive ways the negative ones. So being cont content, being grateful, these are things we can control and things that will ultimately last in increasing happiness over time. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I want to end, I guess, talking about that with a quote I found. Um, I, I don't know who this is from. It was in one of the studies I read, but it says, human beings spend a lot of time trying to figure out what will make them happy but not nearly enough trying, trying to hang on to the happiness they already have. I mean, just something simple, mm. something we already know. We have so much already to be thankful for, um, but we just keep spending our time thinking about more things that we want. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a good reminder. And I mean, just to note, I guess it goes without saying, but it is different for everyone. I mean, for us, like I have so much to be grateful for. Like it mm -hmm. does not take me a long time to think about all the things that I am just blessed with where i mean there there are people that are uh, you know living in oppression poverty abuse and and mm -hmm. situations like that i think it can it can be much more difficult or maybe it's a much shorter list yeah it got me thinking about uh, you and i have both done like mission trips in the past to specifically mm -hmm. like indian reservations native native americans out west Right. And when you go there, like, first of all, you look in the towns that they live in, they're living in the middle of nowhere. And these towns are very rundown. And I mean, you've probably experienced even more uh, drastic things. You have been to Haiti, but 
right. in my experience at these Indian reservations, they're living in these dumpy towns. They have no money um, and just very little things that we would perceive as happiness. But when you go and spend time with the kids there, they their faces light up just when you just spend an hour just to play with them, give them piggyback oh, yeah. rides, play board games, anything. I mean, that that makes their I mean, it could make their entire year. Just you see the the happiness on their face. And then yeah. you look at the kids today or the kids that we in America, the kids are not happy with the things Brats. they have. They always yeah. want more. And it's yeah, it's because it's because of my argument is social media. They see what other people have and they want that. And they're not content with things as simple as like, you know, playing kickball outside. Yeah, I think we touched on this in digital minimalism, but I think they are always having this inflow of entertainment and the there's less value placed on relationships. Like you see people out walking mm-hmm. on the greenway. I think I mentioned this. They're on their iPads yeah. rather than just building relationships. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope that there's a mindset shift happening, though. So I guess we can start talking about our experience with this a little bit. So the experiment we did was to start out for a few weeks each morning. First thing in the morning is to ask ourselves three questions. Um, what are, what are we grateful for? What biblical truth did we learn from whatever we read that morning? And who can we think about throughout the day? Who can we pray for throughout the day? Be thankful for, thankful for throughout the day. And each morning we'd ask ourselves those three questions, answer them. So what, what was your experience with this? Yeah. We got to give credit to Ben Greenfield for these questions. That's where I got these questions. Mm-hmm. There's a book. There's a book, correct? Yeah. We'll put a link in the show note for a, a book. Yeah. It's a daily journal for these questions. So we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I love doing this. It just really framed my mindset for the whole day. It's, it's very easy to enter the day with anxiety and stress you know especially when like i said when the first thing we do is we look at our phones we're pulling up email social media and that can just trigger a lot of negative emotions which can set the stage for the whole day but entering the day with gratitude and thankfulness for the life i have completely changes the game you know you just look at the stressors differently like i noticed that throughout the day i would recall what I was great, what I wrote down that morning. Not every day. I mean, some days the the stress took over, but I just noticed that I was more cognizant of what was in my life to be grateful for. And and I found other things to be grateful for throughout the day. Like, um, I was, I was sitting at a conference with, uh, with dad, you know, cause we work together. So, and I was just thinking like, wow, this is really cool. Like I'm traveling for a work trip with my dad. You just, which I I don't feel like I used to do that, but I was just finding more things to be grateful for each day. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you don't plan to do gratitude, to be thankful for something, it's not going to happen. It's not something that we naturally, I mean, our natural inclination is to want more. It's, it's built into our DNA. So if you don't plan a time to set aside, to be grateful for something, odds are it's, it's not going to happen on its own. Right. It's, it's something you have to do intentionally. Mm-hmm. One thing that I didn't do great that I wanted to do and that I would recommend other people do is recalling 
what you wrote down that morning before you go to bed, like end of day reflection. I didn't really do that. I mean, I tried to, but I, I should have just had my, my book next to my bed and just open it up right before I fell asleep to, to reflect on and meditate on those things again. But, um, yeah, I just, it really, it changed my mindset going into the day and it is something that does not take long, but I think you still need to be intentional about it and, and really like close your eyes and, you know, take a deep breath and, and think about all the things that are good in your life. And rather than just, okay, I got to get going. I got to check email. Let me write something down. Mm-hmm. Like, actually taking the time to be still, I think. Yeah. Um, makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. I've always, um, I just ever since really work and school has been a part of my life. I've always had a morning routine. I've, I'm a morning person. I enjoy waking up, making my coffee and doing some type of activity while drinking my coffee. Usually that's a reading or writing or journaling, something along those lines. So this fit in well with that morning routine, making that the first part of it, uh, is just a great, great way to start the morning. Uh, allows you, it just sets your mind for the morning. It allows you to decrease your stress levels. You're not thinking about the day ahead. You're not thinking about whatever you have to do, whether it's going to be a stressful day, just being grateful in that moment for what you have. Yeah. I mean, I plan on continuing to do it every day. Yeah. I I think most of our things that we try out, it's kind of, we try it for a little bit and then we don't keep doing it going forward, but, um, depending on what it is, but this is one for sure that it will be beneficial going forward for, for life. Yeah. One thing that I'm going to try to start implementing is like accountability. So I'm trying to get Katie to answer these three questions in the morning as well. And then I think it actually helps for you to share that with somebody. You to actually, there's one, it's one thing to write it down, but like before going to bed, I'd like to share what I wrote down with somebody else. And Mm -hmm. it gives you an opportunity to once again, verbalize it, like what you, what you're grateful for. And, um, like, what'd you learn today in your reading? Or, uh, I, you know, I think the last one is also a really good one that sets up the day. Well, like who, who can you serve that day and actually thinking about it intentionally. And as you go throughout the day, going out of your way to do something for somebody, I think can make a huge difference. And then reflecting it on it at the end of the day, did I actually do that? Yeah, I was not good about at the end of the end of the day, like reflecting on that. So I, I like that of adding like before bed, adding that in because it, it ends the day, caps the day with something positive, something uplifting rather than, like we said earlier, being stressed about the following day. Yeah. Yeah. So we I mean, we only did this for two weeks, which actually some of the studies were only like two or three weeks. But I think it's a practice that will be permanent in my life. Um, but yeah, I would recommend other people to try this. It really was a humbling experience to not check your phone the first thing you get up. And we mentioned this in, in the digital minimalism, but it applies here. Don't roll over in bed and, and turn on your phone to check email or social media. Turn over in your bed and start writing down what you're grateful for. That just changes your whole mindset for the day. Um, it doesn't have to be like these three questions. These are just the ones that we use because I think they're good questions to help frame my mindset. There is an app 
that I played around with. I didn't use it. It's called Grateful, a gratitude journal. It's on the app store, the Apple app store, at least we'll put a link in the show notes and it asks you like a different prompt every day. Like what made you smile yesterday? What are you looking forward to today? Different types of gratitude questions. Uh, but that's, that's another option to just get in the mindset for the day. That's good. And I'll have to check that out. I didn't know that was out there. I was going to read one more quote. Um, this is from Seneca, who's a Stoic philosopher of the past. And I just love this quote. Uh, it says that no person has the power to have everything that they want, but it is in their power to not want what they don't have and to cheerfully put to good and use what they do have. So being grateful mm. for what you have, realizing there is nothing, if you have food, water, shelter, there's nothing you need in this moment right now. And the things that you do have, put those to good use. So I really like that quote. Yeah. I love it. That's a great way to end it. Really highly recommend this. This was an awesome experiment. <laughs>